You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown, joined, as always, by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Chip. How about you? Well, I got the uh, second dose of the Pfizer COVID vaccine today. So far, so good. So I say we just roll onto this podcast until I just, like, suddenly keel over or <laughs> pass out. But um, Taylor, we're recording on Tuesday, April 13th, and it's been a flurry of activity today. We've we've talked to Steve Sarkeesian about uh, practice number nine of 15 spring football practices, and they're still going to have the spring game on April 24th, might have a couple practices after that. But then we got news from, um, well, in the world of college basketball that that Devin Askew, um, uh, the point guard at Kentucky this past year, uh, has committed to Texas with four years of eligibility. And of course, with the one-time transfer rule coming on, Devin Askew should be eligible immediately. He was rated as one of the top point guards in the, in the 2021 class. And, and so you know, here we are in the age of the transfer portal, and I'm sitting there listening to Steve Sarkeesian today talking about, you know, the transfer portal doesn't really give us a chance to, to teach kids how to overcome adversity and be patient and work hard and earn your turn. But at the same time, you have to find the pros in the transfer portal, and that is the ability to plug holes and, and, turn them, turn weaknesses into strengths like they did with Ray Thornton, the LSU graduate transfer who's come in and immediately uh, become the first team outside linebacker, the jack, the edge position that Joseph Osai played last year. So it's just fascinating to me as we, you know, get into today's podcast and we'll, we've got, um, you know, football topics we're going to hit. We got some some basketball about who's staying, who's going. And of course we're all sort of in awe of Ivan Melendez. He's, he's playing tonight, um, Texas baseball school record, six straight games with a home run. The NCAA record is eight. We'll see if he gets any pitches, uh, tonight, but, but nonetheless, I thought today was just this sort of moment um, in the transfer portal age, because people were looking at Texas's basketball roster and saying, oh, you know, they're all leaving. They're, they're transferring and Jericho sell that they're not going to use their COVID red shirt and they're, they're gone. Matt Coleman's going to go overseas. He doesn't want to be here anymore. And everyone's like, oh, Chris Beard's going to need time because he doesn't have a good roster. And then boom. Now look, Devin Askew's leaving Kentucky for a reason. You usually transfers are, either outperforming their school and want to get up into a higher profile situation. 
like my man Dylan Disu at uh, Vanderbilt, who's also a transfer candidate for Texas. He was the SEC's leading rebounder. Pflugerville Connolly, keep an eye on that one. You heard it here first. Actually, you read it here first in the morning brew at Horns 24-7. And Chris Beard is has shown after losing four starters from an Elite Eight team and, and, and then going to the national championship game in 2019. So he loses four starters from an Elite Eight team in 2018 and brings in transfers, goes to the national championship game in 2019. So as Steve Sarkeesian surveys his roster, he's nine practices into spring football, and it sounds like they still need some receivers to come on because all I'm hearing, Taylor, and talking to my sources are Jordan Whittington and Troy O'Meary. Outside of that, it's been up and down. Joshua Moore, up and down. Marcus Washington, up and down. Calvante Dixon, up and down. Do you go try to find a receiver in the portal? I mean, this is where Steve Sarkeesian and his staff and um, his recruiting staff, Billy Glasscock, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to nail it in terms of being able to recruit the portal. So I, I, you know, your thoughts. I mean, I think that I think that's always kind of been the plan, though. You know, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian was pretty open about the fact that leading into, you know, spring football, that was when they were going to truly evaluate what they have on the roster, because he you know, he was pretty adamant in saying that these guys had a clean slate when they came to Texas and he wasn't going to base, you know, his who's going to start and everything based off of the previous years or, you know, previous experience or anything like that. So, you know, I think that this has been something that has been on his mind, obviously in, in spring, I think that you you're onto something, you know, he, he was very open saying we're going to use spring football to kind of truly evaluate what we have. And then we're going to hit the portal for any options that we feel that we, you know, could use that could contribute as soon as possible. So, I think it is a little surprising to me, Chip, that receiver is one of the the it, the positions of concern a little bit. I think that, you know, there is a lot of talent in that room. And so I kind of, you know, leading into spring was kind of expecting maybe a little slow, you know, get sluggish kind of like start to spring football just because these receivers are working with a new quarterback. You know, there there's two new quarterbacks that are in a competition you know, that are for the first time really working with the first team offense. So it takes a little bit of time to in get a new offense in a new offense too. Yeah. But then to hear that Troy, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that Troy O'Meara is one of the, you know, the best receivers in the group. Cause that's what we were hearing all, you know, last year leading into fall or in the beginning of fall camp before he had that ACL injury, but that kind of debunks the whole claim of, oh, it's, you know, these newer, these quarterbacks or anything like that. It could be that they're just trying to find a groove when Troy O'Meary didn't have any groove with Casey Thompson or with uh, Hudson Card. And he, you know, still is one of the names that continues to be the one that is like in the mix of the players that are doing the best. So, you know, I think. Well, and part of that is he's six foot three, 230 pounds with a huge wingspan. So if those guys get it anywhere near his zip code, Right. Troy O'Meary, it sounds like comes down with it, but yeah, I mean, it, that's a concern. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably a little bit 
of a, a surprising development a little bit. I don't know if it's surprising to you. I feel, you know, with everything that, um, how, you know, it's fair to say that Tom Herman and his former coaching staff really did a good job of evaluating talent and bringing skilled players onto the team. And I thought that the wide receiver room would be probably one of the least concerns away from just, you know, breaking in the, um, getting some sort of comfort level with the new quarterbacks. But I am a little surprised by that. I mean, are you that was kind of the one? Yeah. I mean, and at some point, look, they're, Steve Sarkeesian talked about it today. He said, we've been installing for the past two weeks. Now we're getting into the whys of why we're doing things, the bigger concepts, trying to think less. They're still thinking. And so there's time for these guys to continue to get comfortable in this offense, receivers connecting to quarterbacks, that kind of thing. But it's clear from what Steve Sarkeesian has said this week about Jordan Whittington being further along than anyone else. And he's, he's learning multiple positions, right? I mean, he's an X factor for them who they know has played running back, who is a strong kid, great hands, really good receiver needs to stay healthy. And, and so where, you know, he mentioned today, Marcus Washington, Calvante Dixon, Joshua Moore starting to come on, but it was clear they needed to keep coming on. They, they hadn't, they certainly hadn't reached any kind of level of consistent playmaking. Now, the other thing too, is that this offense is going to be built around Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Really? I mean, it's going to be Bijan Robinson as long as he's in the game when he needs a breather and Rojan Johnson comes in, they feel like Roshan can do the exact same things. Now he's not as physically gifted and he doesn't have the experience B. John Robinson has at the running back position, but these guys running it and catching it are going to be a really big part of the offense, way bigger than what we've seen in the past because the quarterback run game was such a big part of this offense for better or worse. And the passing game was inconsistent at best the last uh, season and a half. So there's going to be a different identity. It's people are going to fix their mind on, Oh gosh, if we don't have, you know, the X receiver, the slot receiver and the Z receiver all figured out and they're not just killing it. Because remember last year, they couldn't even get off press coverage. Right. Huge problem. And that's a that's something that, you know, Andre Coleman and these receivers are going to have to show and they're going to have to get better or they're going to have to go find people in the portal. I was surprised that Brendan Schooler moved from receiver back to safety because to me, Schooler was an older guy who's going to give you great effort. He's got good speed. And he had some injury issues last year too, but he, he, he got reps. He started a game and you know, he, he didn't set the world on fire, but again, veteran guy, mm-hmm. he's back at safety. Montrell Estelle's at receiver. I'm not hearing anything about Montrell Estelle, not hearing anything about Jaden Alexis. In fact, I heard, you know, from a source today who said so far doesn't stand out. So, you know, these are things that Steve Sarkeesian, as you pointed out, Taylor, they're not only installing, they're not only 
trying to fine tune. They are assessing at every turn, where are we weak and where are we okay? So it's, it's going to be fascinating. I, we've, we've, you know, certainly hit on the, the receivers. I think uh, based on what we're hearing, if you're going to be a, if you're going to be concerned about the receivers, you have to feel good about the defensive line because I just, everything I'm hearing is, wow, we hit on Ray Thornton. This guy can do it. He can play that Jack position. Keandre Coburn, veteran guy, great energy leader. Alfred Collins, freak. Right. He had a wrist injury that needed uh, tending to after the Alamo Bowl, but Sarkeesian said Collins is coming on. And Jacoby Jones. Jacoby Jones has struck another gear, it seems. So if those if that's your front four, I mean, Tavondre sweats recuperating. I could argue sweats better than Coburn from a NFL standpoint. That's that's a lot to like right there. And and when you have young linebackers or depending on what they go look for in the portal, if they play with Jalen Ford at middle linebacker or David Benda, man, you can hide some linebacker deficiencies with a loaded defensive line. So they, they these guys are are messing things up in the in this first scrimmage of spring football the the defensive line was was getting after the quarterbacks too many sacks that kind of thing but bad news for the offense is good news for the defense yeah and you know what when you talk about the defense you know with uh, the linebacker position that was probably one of the biggest concerns i think for most people going into spring football but i thought it was interesting that Steve Sarkeesian when he was talking about David Benda and he essentially said he's been outstanding, you know, and, and that's a big deal. You know, these are, this is an opportunity for these younger um, linebackers, especially to prove themselves. Now, Sarkeesian said that there have been times when Jalen Ford has flashed and um, then there's some times that he struggles, you know, but that's probably expected from, um, you know, somebody who really hasn't had the opportunity to, play much at all. Um, but another thing from an offense standpoint, Chip, that I was thinking that was interesting to me, at least that Steve Sarkeesian said today was that Denzel Okafor is the offensive lineman who has stood out the most. And, you know, that's, I mean, it's probably some people hear that and they're probably like, finally, you know, since he's been on campus for what seems to be forever, like a decade. Yeah. (laughs) So I thought that was, that was pretty, um, not surprising, but I wasn't expecting that to be the name of the guy who had stood out the most from up front. What were you, what was your take on that? Yeah, I thought that was great news because we've talked forever about Denzel Okafor having the NFL body. It was whether he was committed to it mentally. Right. And, and now it sounds like he's hit his stride. They're, they're feeding him, you know, spoonfuls of confidence and and he's putting it all together, which is great news for that offensive line. And and Christian Jones is another guy who's really come on. Uh, I'm hearing he's all but locked down the left tackle position. And and then as you mentioned, Denzel Okafor, Junior Angalau, Jake Majors at center. And then it'll be interesting to see where they put Derek Kerstetter when he gets all the way back from that ankle injury, does he go back to right tackle where 
he's probably the most comfortable Mm -hmm. and where he would be competing with Andre Carrick, red shirt freshman who got some time last year in that K-State game looked good. He's got, he's got a mean streak that the coaches like, and that's going to be, that could be a battle Taylor. I mean, you hate to say that for Derek Kerstetter, a captain and a, a guy who's coming back for his COVID red shirt as a senior, but we'll see. I mean, look, Kerstetter, captain, highly thought of by the previous staff. We'll see if he holds the same currency uh, with with this staff, with um, you know Kyle Flood, the OC and offensive line coach. But Derek Kerstetter coming back from that ankle injury only helps this offensive line because I did hear in Saturday's scrimmage there was too much of a drop-off from the first team offensive line to the second team offensive line in terms of their ability to protect uh, Casey Thompson and Hudson card. So they got to, they got to coach those guys up, got to coach them up. Yeah. Yeah. And if, and if, you know, some of these guys aren't stepping up, then it seems that there are people who will step in, you know what I mean? And really kind of make a case for themselves. But I mean, I think that just, it's, it's just, there's so much transition, you know, this year, regardless of even if they didn't have a new coaching staff, there was still going to be substantial transition for Texas. But I do think that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, he seems pretty open when he's talking about the team. Cause you know, we, we've had enough coaches that we've covered where, you know, if it's coach speak, you know, all of that, but I feel like he's been pretty real about it. And from everything that he has said, you know, it seems that this is going in the right direction. And something that stood out to me that he said following the ninth practice was how um, if this team, you know, there's definitely still a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, But he's really excited about how the strides that they have made. And he said, his quote was, you know, if that continues, then we're going to have a pretty good team. And that's something, you know, that hasn't always been the case when a new coaching staff has taken over, you know, it's, it's kind of been the up and down thing, but it sounds to me like there's been continuous strides um, that are being made. So this may not be as much possibly, you know, if that continues may not be as much of a rebuild transition type of year as maybe Texas has seen in the past when there was a new coaching staff taking over. Right. Right. When Tom Herman took over, he, he wanted to establish his culture, mm-hmm. even at the expense of, veteran talent you know he didn't he didn't think that Armani Foreman or Chris Warren practiced hard enough and so he wouldn't reward them in games even though they were clearly as talented or more talented than any anyone at their position and and so for Tom Herman year one it was more important to burn that culture in than to go try and win games coming off a five and seven season. He wanted to change the mindset of the program. Sarkeesian has come in and said, there's talent on this roster. Bijan Robinson, <laughs> Alfred Collins, um, hopefully both quarterbacks. Uh, we certainly saw uh, Casey Thompson look good in the Alamo bowl. And he, he sees, okay, I can, I can win here. There's some talent here. And he has said, I, I don't usually take a job unless I know there's a quarterback on the roster. And, and he feels like, you know, after evaluating Casey and Hudson Carr, the, these guys are 
tight, neck and neck, whatever. It's going to be a battle right down to the, to the end, probably to the end of fall camp with the amount of offense and how much these guys have to get comfortable with and then prove themselves to their teammates over the summer, building that chemistry, leading the off-season conditioning program, summer conditioning, and just building that mojo that, that quarterbacks need to build with their team. And so, you know, that's, that's exciting. And then I think you, you look over in the secondary where, you know, we mentioned Brendan Schooler moving over. I mean, he had four interceptions as a safety at Oregon as a freshman, and he's running second team, you know, behind BJ Foster and, and, um, um, Jaron Thompson. And then at corner, you've got Josh Thompson, Deshaun Jameson, but now you've also got the emergence of Darian Dunn, the, the McNeese grad transfer, who's just been a really pleasant surprise, veteran attitude, leader, accountable. And, and then guys like Jameer Johnson, who I hear is getting a lot of reps with the ones and twos as a true freshman, he might be the guy of the early enrollee freshman. I mean, he, I think he is the one who's made the biggest impact. Keaton Crawford is also in that mix too. So um, it, it's, there's some exciting things happening. There's light bulbs are going off faster in some position groups than others. But as you said, Sarkeesian said, I like the trajectory we're on. We have a long way to go, but if we maintain this trajectory and keep growing, keep playing faster and faster and without thinking, we have a chance to be a pretty good team. Now, you know, we, we'll get into the schedule and what's ahead for this football team in a, in a later podcast, but here at practice nine, I think there's, I, I'm not, panicking i'm not saying oh this is a four loss team coming book it because when you have a guy like Bijan robinson and we have to see what transpires at quarterback but when you have um you know a player like Bijan robinson you you've got a chance and then steve sarkeesian the magic of him is being able to game plan whether it's with two tight ends or three tight ends to feature what Bijan Robinson does best. Right. And every once in a while, slip you the okie doke with a little, you know, reverse pass or something to a tight end. I, I can't wait to see what Steve Sarkeesian does because we, we are always waiting for wrinkles with the tight end or with this guy or that guy. And it would always kind of come back to quarterback run and, and when Sam could throw to big targets, the passing game was good. But Sarkeesian is going to X and O guys open. And I think that's going to be really a lot of fun. He's going to, he, his play calling is going to have to make up for some deficiencies as well. Yeah, absolutely. But, and I think, uh, uh, you know, talking about B. John Robinson and even Roshan Johnson too, Chip, when you have somebody with the talent of a B. John Robinson, it takes a lot of the pressure off of the quarterback, especially a quarterback that is being broken in, you know, a first time starting quarterback at having that type of dynamic playmaker, really two of them, but you know, especially with Bijan Robinson, that takes a ton of pressure 
off of Casey Thompson. That takes a ton of pressure off Hudson Card. Whoever is, you know, ends up being the starter, you know, that's something that I bet Sarkeesian was probably salivating, you know, looking at, especially if he did go back and watch the tape from last season with Bijan Robinson, especially late in the year. I mean, his him coming on just in what was it, six games? I mean, it he's now like a top 10 Heisman contender because of right. his late season performance. It wasn't because of how, what he did all year. He didn't really get the opportunity to shine or to show what he can truly do when he got into that groove, when he got into that momentum um, with, you know, just getting the ball consistently. But when he did, it was, you know, it was impressive. And I think that probably helps, you know, Steve Sarkeesian sleep a little better at night just because of how, how in, much he's talked in depth, not just about Bijan Robinson, but also Roshan Johnson too, like how they're not just, you know, a running back threat. They also can be a weapon in the passing game, you know, and everything like that. So I think that Texas fans should be very pleased, especially with Stan Drayton, you know, being able to, to get Bijan Robinson to leave Arizona, come to Texas and then coach him up. I mean, Stan Drayton's one, you know, arguably one of the better running backs coaches in college football. I think it's fair to say that. And there's a reason why NFL teams have been after him pretty much every year since he came to Texas, like that's been a consistent, you know, off season kind of headline is which NFL team now is going to try to hire um, Stan Drayton away from Texas. So I think that Sarkeesian probably has a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, a can take a little bit of a breath, you know, when it comes to even just breaking in a new quarterback, because he knows that he, those type of guys are going to be the reliable ones who really can step up and take a lot of pressure off of these first time starting quarterbacks. Yeah. A guy like Bijan Robinson buys you time at the quarterback position to continue to develop and, and get there because Bijan Robinson is special. I mean, I've joked if, if he'd gotten more than 86 carries last year, Tom Herman might still be the coach. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the kind of impact player he is. I mean, to me, it's very similar to seeing the early stages of, Ricky Williams and Jamal Charles and, you know, even Cedric Benson. I mean, well, heck, Bijan broke the 51-year school record for yards per carry average in a season with 8.2. Right. I mean, think of all the great runners at Texas, even Vince Young. Yeah, they're only who, two Heisman winners. <laughs> right, right. Earl, Ricky. Yeah. Um, and it's Bijan Robinson who's now atop the – the record book for yards per carry. And I think that's a great legitimate record like that to me, like Jamal Charles having the NFL record for yards per carry better than Jim Brown. Good heavens. That is, that's huge. Your coaches look at what your yards per carry average is so that they can plan their whole offense around it. When it's 8.2 per carry Taylor, it's second in two Every time he, you know, touches the ball, I mean, in theory, right? So you're going to give that guy the ball and, and then you factor in the plays he made catching the football, the third down catch to put the game away against West Virginia. The guy's a, a special talent. And so um, you, you probably have a, a little more confidence. As you said, you probably have a little more confidence in the offense, even with the issues at receiver, and of course Jake Smith will come back from the the foot injury, and and 
Troy O'Meary will continue to get healthier. Um, hopefully, I mean, we we thought that for Jordan Whittington last year and the sports hernia came back and and so they they you with a guy like Bijan you have a little bit more confidence in your in your offense and your ability to uh to hide any blemishes and then you know I think defensively you you have to feel good about the secondary and you're waiting to see what's going on at linebacker especially in the middle and can David Benda play in the middle with Tamarvian Overshawn at weak side linebacker is is that a possibility? And and if so, we're hearing from his teammates that David Benda is a really good communicator. He's leading. He's he's comfortable with the playbook. He's making plays. So maybe they've unearthed a uh, a, a key playmaker this this camp and David Benda. So we'll uh, we'll we'll pay attention to that. Keep you updated. And as we mentioned for for or any other thoughts, Taylor, I was just going to touch on a, a basketball um, roster note. Um, and so, you know, Chris Beard, we mentioned, got the commitment from uh, Devin Askew, the point guard at Kentucky. He'll have four years of eligibility. He's a six foot four uh, point guard from California. Got always got to be a little, you know, careful. Those Californians. They're a little, <laughs> They're a little oh, kooky, yeah. I guess. I say that as a there. as a former resident of California, so I'm allowed to say that. But <laughs> right, so we'll we'll see. But if if that if Devin Askew is all that he was cracked up to be in the recruiting process with that six foot four frame, um, and he's your quarterback, essentially your point guard for the next uh, four years, or at least you have that uh, potential, mm-hmm. then if you can put some talent around it. And that's what we're waiting on. I mean, we're little by little, we're hearing Jace Febris. Okay. We, we thought he was coming back. Andrew Jones thought he was coming back. The guy I'm waiting on is Jericho Sims, the six foot 10, 245 pound senior who really came on this year, played at a really high level consistently. If Chris Beard could talk him into coming back or talk him into, Hey, I, I, you're a fringe second round draft pick. I can make you into a, a first round pick, make, make you some real money. And, and you could pull in a guy like um, Dylan Disu from Vanderbilt. And everyone's like, why are you talking about him? Chip, he's not even in the portal. I'm just keep your eyes open. Um, and, and then suddenly this is a, this is a basketball team that could, uh, could shake things up. So, we're waiting on Greg Brown to tell us what he's doing. We're waiting on Jericho Sims. I'm hearing Courtney Ramey's in Dallas right now, which is not ideal. Um, and then Matt Coleman, I, keep, I continue to hear, is going to take his chances in the NBA draft. And if, and if that doesn't happen, he'll go overseas. So, um, you know, we know Brock Cunningham, Chase Fabris. Andrew Jones, and now Devin Askew are going to be on this roster. Now we're just waiting um, really for, I mean, everybody thinks Greg Brown's going to move on, but you never know. Yeah. Never know. Definitely. I think it's going to be a, a situation with Chris Beard where, you know, I think we're going to see early on from him 
not just how well he can coach, but how well he can recruit. And I think you're starting to see that now Texas has lost, you know, a number of the signees from the 2021 uh, signing class that had already signed their letter of intent, um, leaving, you know, after Shaka Smart left the program being released from their NLI there. But, you know, it's kind of, it seems almost like every time that has happened so far, there's been a positive response in either a guy coming back or, you know, um, as you know, just talking about the transfer portal and all of that, you know, I feel like this is, it's see, it's kind of funny. Like it's almost like an ironic thing where literally the day that somebody says that they're leaving, then Devin asks you commits to Texas, you know, it's kind of just something that, um, I think is a good sign. And same thing with Andrew Jones announcing on Tuesday that he was going to return for another season at Texas. So, you know, Chris Beard, it may not be as bleak of what I think some people may have, may have thought it could be, um, especially when a lot of these signees were requesting um, out of their NLI. Right. And that's by design. I mean, Chris Beard and I mean, Shaka Smart saying, hey, come here. And Chris Beard saying, hey, go there. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he just got a commitment from Jalen Tyson, too, who's one of the best shooting guards in the 2021 class who had been committed to Chris Beard at Texas Tech. And I'm telling you, he'll have a team that will contend in the Big 12 next year. And it may be three players you were you had no idea he would pull right, uh, right. from from the transfer world. All right, Taylor, we've mentioned uh, Ivan Melendez and Texas baseball, good gravy. They've won eight in a row. Now they are beating up on some, um, you know, beating up on Kansas K-State, the two last place teams, swept them both. That's fantastic. Solid, not as solid pitching as what we've been, like Ty Madden was kind of off. So was Tanner Witt. So was Cole Quintanilla. And they still won 13 to six in game one against Jordan Wicks from K-State, who was the preseason co-pitcher of the year with time Madden, so you you couldn't get a better matchup than that. Texas smoked them. One second game, fifteen to one. One the Sunday game, nine to two. I mean, there's so much confidence at the plate with Ivan Melendez and Cam Williams and and Mike Antico and Zach Zubia combined with this pitching. I mean, they're up to number three in the country. Now they haven't played Oklahoma State, they haven't played Tech, they haven't played TCU, but you can't do better than what they're doing. I mean, taking an eight game win streak uh, into five more home games this week. Yeah. Well, and the thing too, with that chip, I mean, remember the first opening weekend, you know, for Texas baseball, there were a lot of Texas fans that were livid because they got swept, you know, when that, um, that class, whatever right, the college showdown up in Arlington. Yeah. And the, a lot of people were saying we're, calling for David Pierce, like, oh, this is going to be his last year. But how we had said you and I both, you know, back in February had said, give it time. Like these guys have not played, you know, since March of last year. And then they had the weather that led to them not even being able to practice leading into there. And they're playing some of the best teams in the SEC, some of the best teams in the country. You know, it wasn't just in the SEC, like, but the SEC is one of the, you know, I think it's fair to say one of the top conferences in college baseball, especially right now. So, you know, it, it is, very, um, it's good to see this type of progress for, from the baseball team. And it's honestly, it's not surprising to me because I think that David Pierce is a really good coach. 
I think that um, it's way too early for people to, you know, throw in the towel on him just because they lost like the opening three game series um, in a tournament, you know, against non-conference opponents and everything. But I think that that's a, this is, it's going to be interesting to see how they do against some of the better teams in the big 12, but you got to take this, you know, especially starting off the season. Oh, and three, you know, this is what you want to see from this team. And you're seeing the progression, um, both, you know, from pitching and also from, um, the batting perspective too. So that's a positive. Yeah. And Silas Arduan, uh, the catcher leads the entire big 12 in, in fielding his position. Mm-hmm. So just, I mean, you, you got to have great catching yes. and people don't talk about that, but you got to have great catching on, on any championship team because they're the ones who can calm down the pitching staff and, and give them confidence and, and they got to call it. I mean, obviously David Pierce sends in the signals, but they've, they've got it. You just have to have great catching and Silas Arduan is really uh, providing that. And the team is batting 282 now. Remember they were batting 185 after that, the, you know, the O and three start. Now they're batting 282 led by Ivan Melendez, who's batting 375 and has the, uh, as of this moment, while um, they, they will play tonight, but uh, going into the Tuesday night game, Ivan Melendez, six straight games with a home run school record and the NCAA record is eight. So um, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? Yes, Chip. Well, we got to take a really quick break before we get to love it or leave it, but stick around because we're going to have some more football talk coming back in addition to some basketball um, topics and love it or leave it. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Chip, let's bring in some love it or leave it. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm always ready. All right. (laughs) All right. So my first one for you, Chip, is love it or leave it. The biggest surprise of spring football so far is LSU grad transfer Ray Thornton. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to love this. Because I said that one of my big question marks was who would take over for Joseph Osai, even though Osai didn't have crazy off the chart numbers. I mean, he had 16 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks. If he had 16 and a half sacks, he'd be a first round pick. Um, but he he did it all. He in the first two years in Todd Orlando's defense, he was chasing receivers down the field at six foot four, 230 pounds. So. Um, 
the fact that Ray Thornton's come in and his teammates, the players always know. Mm-hmm. That's why I always ask players who's standing out to you, who's leading, who's because the players always know. And what they've said about Ray Thornton is the guys come in, he is just blended right in, become a go to leader as a grad transfer. Man, that's gold. That's gold because you got to have guys at that linebacker level. Um, even though he's basically a stand-up defensive end and Pete Kwiatkowski's defense, you got to have guys who can calm the huddle, who can command the huddle when things are tough, look guys in the eyes and say, we're going to win this game. So everybody get locked in. And it sounds like Ray Thornton is that. So I'm going to love this Taylor. Uh, how about you? You know, I, I definitely think it's one of the biggest surprises. Um, but after talking to Steve Sarkeesian following the ninth practice of spring football, it's kind of hard for me not to think that Denzel Okafor being the guy up front who's really come on for the offensive line, because that was, a, you know, it is a position that had some concerns, some question marks with some, you know, transition um, with some of the guys leaving, you know, and all of that. So I think that I... <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of want to love it, but I think since you're going to love it, I'm going to leave it and say that it's 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 Denzel Okafor for me. And it's about time. I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation. You know, um, I covered I I covered Denzel Okafor as a recruit and I don't cover recruiting like as consistently as consistently as I did prior to, you know, when we merged at 24 uh, seven and came over to Horns 24 seven. So the fact that he's still on campus, I'm kind of like, okay, like it's about time. So um, I think that's probably the biggest surprise to me. And it's a welcome surprise because, you know, he's a good kid and I think he's really talented. It's just nobody's really seen him perform up to the ceiling that I think he does have. So I think I'm going to leave it and say Denzel Okafor. I like it. Good answer, Taylor. <laughs> what is it? You just can't agree with me, huh? Huh? I mean, what would it be like if we're always agreeing with each That's other true. on here? I think that That's our true. back and forth banter is what brings our listeners in what, sometimes. So. That's what keeps them coming back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, all right. My next one for you, Chip, is love it or leave it. The biggest concern of spring football right now is the lack of playmaking, ha- playmaking happening at wide receiver. Um. You know what? I'm going to leave this right now. Um, and and for me, it's okay. Who's going to, how's middle linebacker coming now? Because after hearing what Steve Sarkeesian said about Jalen Ford, that he's shown flashes, now they need to get it to be play in, play out, consistency. He was the natural middle linebacker. So now are we going to try to, David Benda, who's probably more of a weak side linebacker into the middle linebacker spot. I'm, I'm more concerned about that right now. And, and if David Benda can, can bend his way into playing middle linebacker and no drop off. Great. Mm-hmm. He might even be better than Juwan Mitchell. Cause Juwan was such a wild card. He was such a, he was kind of unpredictable. Yeah. So if you can have consistency and leadership and production and everything at the middle linebacker position, that's huge. And so I just need a little more information towards the end of spring ball. So I'm going to leave that about the receivers because I do think they 
have playmaking talent on that offense. I need to know who's going to be kind of commanding the middle of that defense. How about you, Taylor? I'm going to agree with that for the same reason. I'm going to leave it and say that, you know, I mean, it's a positive sign to hear Steve Sarkeesian talk so glowingly about David Benda. Um, But you're right. I mean, Juwan Mitchell, when he was on, he was on. But leaning tackler. Yes. But you also didn't know where his head was at a lot. I mean, this is a guy who had more times than probably most players at Texas said that they were going to leave, but didn't. And then said they, you know, entered the portal and pulled his name out. Now he's, you know, in the portal or whatever. So I think that um, it's a positive early sign that David Benda is stepping up if he is, you know, really filling that middle linebacker role. But usually the middle linebacker should be the quarterback of the defense. So they need a guy who is going to consistently be that person. It sounds like Benda from both a playmaking standpoint and a leadership standpoint, he may be kind of molding himself into it, but you know, it's, it's a little, um, there's still a lot of question marks at the linebacker position. So I think that it's fair to say that that should probably be a concern for most people and probably the top concern, but at least there's a little bit of a glimmer of hope. I think that there is somebody stepping up, a young guy stepping up um, and really kind of commanding that position. So that, it's hope for the future, but I still think it's definitely a concern. I agree with you. All right. Love it or leave it. Number two. Number three, mister. <laughs> oh, number three. How am I doing? <laughs> All right. Time uh, flies when you're having fun. You know exactly, what I'm saying? Exactly, right? Yeah. All right. So, Chip, uh, love it or leave it. The basketball senior you'd most like to see return to Texas and play for Chris Beard is six foot ten forward Jerrica Sims. You know what? I'm going to love that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love that because we know that Andrew Jones is coming back. Not quite sure what's going on with Courtney Ramey. We know Devin Askew's coming in at point guard. Jericho Sims, I really liked watching him develop. And six foot 10, 245 pounds with bounce. I mean, he's not as up and down the floor as Kai Jones was, but I just think there's more for for Jericho Sims. And I I think he needs to be coached and I'd love to see him in a Chris Beard system where he's setting hard screens and, and really helping to, to get his teammates open and be the garbage man that he's been around the boards and with putbacks and that kind of thing. Maybe, maybe expand his range to like eight feet or something. Um, but yeah, I would, you, you gotta have, you gotta have rim protectors. Right. And, and I think that, I mean, if you could bring in Jericho and, and Dylan Disu from, from Vanderbilt, maybe Bryson Williams from UTEP, who um, was a 15 point score, uh, average seven boards at UTEP. Suddenly you got a front court, whether Greg Brown comes back or not. So I, I think it's going to be fun, but I'd love to see Jericho Sims come back. How about you? Yeah, I agree. That was, I was going to say, I, I would love this because I would love to see Jericho Sims coached by Chris Beard. Cause I think that, I mean, obviously it's in basketball, you want to have the most big body guys that you can, but you also want to have the guard, you know, the, the people who are willing to, you know, be the, the dogs at the rim and be the ones that are going to fight for the ball and everything like that. And, 
I thought, I think he really came on, um, a lot since he's been at Texas. Um, and not trying to knock Shaka smart, but I do think that Chris Beard is at this point, probably a better coach than Shaka smart. And so I would, I would think that of all of the players, the seniors, you know, who you'd like to see return, I think Jericho Sims probably should be number one. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what Chris Beard does with Brock Cunningham because I mean, Beard has talked about Cunningham in his post-game press conferences when he was at the, when he was the head coach at tech, right. He would talk about, man, I love this guy. He, he does whatever it takes. Blah, blah, blah. And now he's got him. So I can't wait to see what kind of role and how many minutes and, and what, what Chris Beard does with a guy like Brock Cunningham. Cause all the guy does is make things happen. So, um, all right. We got, uh, is that it? Yeah. Well, I, I'll pose just one for you. Cause I, I think, you know, we had, uh, Sean Salisbury on the flagship podcast on Monday's episode. If you missed that, you definitely want yeah. to tune into that. Um, a guy who has a relationship prior relationship with Steve Sarkeesian. So chip, you did a great interview with him. I'm going to ask you this for, uh, the final love it or leave it just for you. So mine is the best part of the Sean Salisbury flagship podcast interview this week is Salisbury saying Texas OU football games are about to become even more legendary because Steve Sarkeesian and Lincoln Riley may be the best offensive play callers in college football. Love it or leave it. Yeah. I kind of love that. Yeah. I kind of love that because that's what, I mean, Lincoln Riley has been so good. And then you watch, the national championship game between Alabama and Ohio state, you're thinking how on earth are they going to get Devonte Smith, the Heisman trophy winner, the ball, Ohio state's going to take him. Oh, excuse me. 12 yeah. catches for 215 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. Yeah. No, I mean, deal, right. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Sarkeesian, excuse me while I whip this out. Yeah. So I can't wait to see what this guy does from a play calling standpoint. And, I just feel like we're going to watch great offensive minds at work in that Texas OU game. And we already have seen some great shootouts that shootout in 2018, the 48 45 game with Kyler Murray and Sam Ellinger, maybe having his best game as a longhorn Cameron Dicker with the uh, game winning 40 yard field goal, man, if we can, all but be assured of a great offensive showdown in the Red River shootout every year, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. The greatest game, the greatest game day atmosphere in college football. And we'll be able to go to it again. Yeah. Geez. I mean, please. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. How about you, Taylor? I agree. I think that, you know, that's a very good point. I think that I think a lot of Texas fans probably were expecting that from Tom Herman. I think Tom Herman, you know, had he had continued to be the play caller, you know, when he came to Texas instead of um, allowing someone else to take those duties. I like that Steve Sarkeesian's been open about that. Like, yeah, I have an offense coordinator, but I'm calling the offense, you know, and and that's, you know, I think that's important for coaches to do. If you build your entire identity on being an amazing offensive play caller and, um you know, being able to scheme the way that Steve Sarkeesian does, why would you stop doing it? And so I think that definitely that's going to be, I think, exciting times, you know, if these players can uh, really buy in and play up to the, the standard that Sarkeesian is going to set here at Texas. I think that there's some, um, some pretty exciting Texas AU games in the future. 
Let's go. Can't <laughs> wait. Can't wait. Exciting times here at, uh, well, on the flagship podcast, of course, but exciting times covering the Texas Longhorns and even more reason uh, to be a member at Horns 24-7 where all we do is break news. I mean, scoop is what we do from Mike Roach and Nick Harris on the recruiting scene, Taylor, Jeff Howe, myself covering the team. We just dig and dig, and then we dig a little more for you and, um, you know, get over to Horns 24-7. You got all the excitement around Chris Beard and the basketball program, Vic Schaefer and the women's program, Steve Sarkeesian, his staff, and they're going to open the $200 million renovation of uh, DKR this this fall. So lots going on. Um, and of course, we we love to have you as an annual member at Horns 24-7. Or swing by iTunes and throw us a a five-star review and maybe some kind words for our bosses to uh, keep us around, you know, um, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Right, Taylor? Yep. That would be fantastic. And not, or, and not, or chip, come on, yeah. be a member and, and go ahead and, and. yeah, <laughs> both. do it both. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll feel good about yourself. You really will. It's amazing. Just like listening to the flagship podcast, you always leave here in a better mood than when you came into this podcast. So we, we love you and we look forward to our next flagship podcast. So make sure you go listen to Monday's interview with Sean Salisbury because he has got some energy and he knows what's going on. He, he's been talking to Casey Thompson. He talks to Sark. So go check out that podcast and uh, tell your friends and enemies to listen. And then we will talk to you again at this time next week. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks for listening to the flagship podcast. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.